Hello there, this interview that you're about to hear was originally done by me, Sam Roscoe or Chris Prince for the Blue Moon podcast sometime between 2009 and now. That means if there's anything that sounds a bit out of date or if there's anything that's an obvious topic that we've not asked the guest about, it's probably because the interview is from a long time ago. This show is basically the Blue Moon podcast interview archive. All of the new interviews that we do with former City players and managers will go live on the Blue Moon podcast first, so if you like what you hear then please go and subscribe to that and there's a new show every Friday with a look at everything on and off the pitch for City. But for now enjoy the end of this generic recorded message and enjoy the interview with the person whose name is in the title of this episode. It was every boy's dream really. Um, I'd uh, been at City since being a very young boy, uh, sort of come through and did well what was the School of Excellence is now the Academy. Um, so went through all that and then started as, a, as an apprentice at 16, left straight from school, went straight into football, which was every boy's dream or the majority of boys' dreams, which was brilliant. Uh, then did a two-year apprenticeship and then signed a pro contract. Um, and it was just amazing. You know, again, every boy's dream to, to be a professional footballer and I'd signed my first contract. I was then a professional footballer. So uh, unbelievable, brilliant. And uh, at the club you supported as well. Absolutely. Um, like I say, I'd been there from, from a young boy. Um, my dad was a big red, by the way. Um, <laughs> you probably won't mind me saying that. He's all the season to get older now. Um, but, um, yeah, being at school, I always, I always supported City. Um, so then when they did come in um, and wanted me to go down to the, uh, the School of Excellence at the time, it was a dream come true. Now, the, uh, Brian Horton was the manager when you, when you signed pro. You didn't actually play underneath him. What, what kind of involvement did he have? At the time, he was very, very good, Brian Horton. The only, the only issue was he wanted me to be a fullback. I wasn't keen on being a fullback; I wanted to be a centre half. Um, but he, he caught, sort of made me into a fullback, or what he tried to do was make me into a fullback. Um, which, again, to be in the first team, you do anything that you need to do in order to be in the first team. So, uh, so I was a little uncomfortable with it. I'd never, I'd never really got to grips with playing fullback. But again, I was playing in the first team, so I would have played anywhere to, to be in the first team. When you look at youngsters these days and, and the, the way that they kind of get into football, um, it, it's changed a lot from when you were, when you were coming through. Um, what do you think the biggest difference is? The pressures, I think it's a, it's a big difference. Um, it's, it starts so much younger now. We were young when we, when we started. We were probably 10, 11, 12 you know, when, we, when we got into the system. They're now starting at 7, 8, sometimes 5, 6. Um, and so, so the pressure on them now is, is, is incredible as to what it was that the, the gains are so much bigger than what they ever were football's always been a very well paid job always will be but um, the gains now are huge the game has moved on so much even from 15 years ago 10-15 years ago it's moved on so much so the pressures for young boys and I think a lot of it comes from parents as well almost the parents want it more than, than the boys do a lot of the time um, I did a bit of work for, for Bolton Wanderers at the academy and that's what you generally found the parents were so much so much wanted it more than than the kids did at times and you could see them putting pressure on on the children all the time so i think for kids now they've got to enjoy it if you don't enjoy it there's no point in doing it so so i think pressure's massive for them now but as long as they continue to enjoy doing what they're doing and you wouldn't enjoy being a professional footballer so um but i do think the pressure's massive for them 
even as as much as, as what the the youngsters do around the training ground. I mean, there's no there's no sorts of cleaning boots that sort of thing these days. That's all gone. The the old apprenticeship has, has pretty much gone now. Um, so yes, so when we were apprenticeships, yet yeah, we had so many players' boots to clean. Um, then we had to clean the changing rooms. We had to clean the kipaks. We had to walk up and down the kipak stand and making sure there was no rubbish on there. Clean the stands. Everything we used to do. Whereas I think now it is so much more professional now. Not that that wasn't professional, but it's completely changed. You know, the, the world's changed. Um, so yeah, the, the kids now—they're not in the kids. The apprentices, the apprentices, or the young pros as they are now. It's a completely different world for them now. Um, I played for the old players a few times, and uh, speaking to the people who, who look after the, the young players there now, you know they all have their own drivers. They all, you know, they, they live at the training ground. A lot of them, um, and everything's catered for them, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, but so very different to even how it was 10, 15 years ago. Now you mentioned uh, having to play fullback. You actually made your debut at fullback. Um, what, what was it like to, to kind of suddenly be, be told that you're in the team? Debut was against Everton, um, and I actually played as sort of a, a, a if I remember, um, I was kind of a left-sided centre half. We played a five, I think, and I was I was the sort of left-sided left side of a three. Um, I was absolutely nervous as I could possibly be. I'll, I'll be honest. When I got when I was told by the manager that I was going to be playing, unbelievable excitement, but so so nervous. Um, and I, I can still remember it. Now I stood in the tunnel before we went out. It was uh, I was absolutely terrified um, but that's what you work for that's what that's that's you know you, you are a footballer to be in those situations so finally when you make it into the first team it's just an unbelievable feeling it's, you know you've worked all these years to get there and then they finally it's happening for you what was main road like a great place to play it really was a great place to play the pitch was always outstanding which which was great even we used to play in the reserves or the youth team playing on main road was was absolutely brilliant the pitch was brilliant you could always visit about um, and the atmosphere was always superb um, again playing in the debut I couldn't quite get to grips with just how noisy it was you can't really hear anything but you can hear the, the humdrum of the crowd and, and when you're playing and you can just you know I'd, I'd never experienced anything like that before so it was it was an incredible experience I mean you, you mentioned the Kipax as well um, I mean there's no kind of stand like that at the Etihad now because it's more of a bit of a ball stadium what, what was the Kipax like? The Kipax was well obviously it was all standing um, and it was it I don't, I don't know what it, it was all, um, they were all the hardcore fans that used to go in the Kipax. Um, I'm not sure at the Etihad where the hardcore ones go now, whether they're all spread about a little bit more, but they were, the, the Kipax was the hardcore of fans, so especially when you're playing fullback and you're playing down that side, you know, the, the noise that used to come from it was, it would, would, not terrifying, but pretty frightening, you, you know, you go down, the, you make a mistake, you don't want to make a mistake in front of the, of the Kipax, I can assure you that, uh, they let you know about it, but uh, yeah, that was the hardcore fans in there, so that was, that was really fantastic to play in front of them what about uh, what about Alan Ball as, as manager because uh, he gets a lot of criticism from from City fans for being the manager that took them down out the Premier League what was what was your experience of him um, Alan was different to what we had before um, he was he was really good for me he gave me he gave me quite a good contract and he I think he was the manager when I, when I made my Premier League debut I played in the first team before that under Brian Horton but in the Premier, Premier League it was under it was under Alan Ball but um, he used to it, obviously he's the World Cup winner so he used to speak about you know winning the World Cup 
Um, but that, I think that played on the on the old the older pros a little bit within the dressing room. Um, but what he did do, to be fair to Alan Ball, he gave us Georgie Kincladzi, which he was unbelievable. Um, you know, we used to we used to train with him. If he didn't want to give you the ball, you wasn't you weren't getting the ball. You could not get the ball off him. Um, a truly great player, uh, Georgie. So yeah, Alan Alan was he had his he had his his fans and he had his critics really. Um, he was good for me because he gave me my debut. Um, but I think a, a few of the older pros, he, I kind of lost them quite early on um, because he kind of used to talk down to them. I don't think that down, went down very well within the dressing room, especially with the older players. Now, uh, we can't not talk about a little bit about King Clancy because as a defender in training, you're coming up against him. Yeah. Um, you look at some of the creative players City have had in certainly in recent years. Where does he stack up against them, do you think? Um, obviously, I've not played with them, so we don't know. Is it, it, I, I would compare him to David Silva. Um, what a great player David Silver is, um, but what a great player, the player Georgie King Cladzi was. Um, now I think David Silver now works harder than what Georgie did, King Cladzi did. Kinky was great with the ball; you could give him the ball. I actually think we we actually played to him too much. Really, we just used to give him the ball and let him get on with it a lot of the time. Um, but I would definitely put him within the the David Silver class, absolutely on the ball. Like I say, he's probably the best. No, probably about it. He was the best player that I have. I've ever seen I've certainly ever played with um, his ability to keep the ball his ability to stop you having the ball was better than anything I've ever seen you just could not get near him if he didn't want if he didn't want you to have the ball off him you weren't getting it he was quick he was sharp he was strong um, unbelievable technical ability um, so yeah he's definitely in the David Silver class definitely I just think David Silver now under, under Pep now works harder than what Georgie did um, but it would have been interesting to see Georgie play under Pep and see what kind of player he could have made of him because that would have been interesting Now later on in your career um, you had uh, a couple of quite serious illnesses at uh, various stages um, just want to, to ask you a bit about that what, what effect did, um, did suffering with first off ME have, uh, have on your career? Um, it was debilitating I still don't know to this day whether it was ME by the way I just want to, I want to say that um, I, had, I had glandular fever um, which then manifested into something else um, but it was incredibly debilitating there are, there are times when I couldn't get out of bed in the morning I'd, I'd, I'd be going to training and I literally could not get out of bed um, so it was incredibly debilitating um, I have to say at that point in my career if it wasn't for Sammy McElroy who was the manager at, um, at Macclesfield at the time that probably would have been the end of my career um, he stood by me through such dark days sometimes um, and would constantly say, no, stick with it, it'll be fine, stick with it. Um, so if it wasn't for him, I think I probably would have, I would have left the game at that point. Uh, it, it was a low point for, for me and everybody involved with, you know, sort of my, my family and everything. Um, but we, we got through it, which was great. Um, it took a long time to get through it, probably in, well, in football terms, a long time, probably over 12 months of literally doing little bits and bops every day um, a little bit of training resting a little bit of training and building it up slowly um, and sort of getting back that way um, but like I say if it wasn't for Sammy Mack I think that would have been my career over um, at that point but he stood by me and eventually got back to playing which was which was I didn't think it was going to happen. I honestly thought in my mind that that was me done. I couldn't see at any point how I was going to ever come back to playing, but um, I stuck with it and, and I did get back, which was which was a big achievement for me. But then there was uh, also you suffered with meningitis. Yeah, I mean that was that was pretty much that really was near the end. Um, 
I'd, I went to Port Vale. Um, I'd had, had a fairly decent first season. Second season, picked up an ankle injury. Um, so I'd had an operation on my ankle injury and then went down to Lillishaw and was getting some, some really good physiotherapy care down there uh, with a view to getting back playing. Um, and while I was there, picked up meningitis, which was even even more than the illness I had before. That, that was the most debilitating thing um, and I went into hospital um, down in the Midlands and, and was in the, in the hospital for two weeks in, in the Midlands having antibiotics. And um, But again, after that, that was probably, it took me eight months maybe to get back to even being able to, to do the normal things in life. Um, so that was very debilitating. And at that point, um, with the ankle injury and with that illness, I decided that, that was enough was enough sort of thing. I'd, I'd gone through probably... Well, along with probably th- four or five years of having on and off illnesses and injuries, and it was it was just time to, to call it a day after that. Does it kind of put everything into perspective for you? Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, I think because I'd only ever done football, um, I'd went straight in from from a very young boy at City, went went through, and then made it to pretty much thirty. I'd never done anything else. Um, so, and it does when when things happen, you sort of it does make you in your mind think about where your life's going what you're doing um, and at, at that point um, after that one I was quite happy as it sounds, might sound daft I was quite happy to leave football where it was um, I'd had a very few tough years and I just wanted a clean break I wanted a clean start um, I'd had a, a really, quite a bad ankle injury which I was really struggling with so I, I couldn't I was out of contract at Port Vale um, there was no way I was you know, I was fit enough to go anywhere and play. Like I say, it took me probably eight months to recover from the meningitis to a point where I could actually do the simple things. So yeah, it did. And at that point, it was just it was time to draw a line in the sand and say, right, let's look to the next chapter of my life now. And that's and that's what I did really. So how did you end up becoming a firefighter then? I've, had a, I've got a few friends who were in the job, and uh, once I'd come out of football. I, I sort of spent a bit of time mulling about and deciding what I was going to do and would I go into coaching, would I, what did I want to do and then a few friends said, oh why don't you, you know, apply to join the, join the fire service so I was like, oh, yeah I'll give it a go, why not so I did um, and here I am um, and I've got to say it's a, it's a great, it, I love it such a good job um, as it's ups and downs like any job does um, but yeah, yeah at that point I needed a fresh a fresh start and the fire service gave me a fresh start and uh, so here we are. How tough is it physically compared to being a footballer? Um, day to day, probably not as tough. Um, when the jobs come in, when the big jobs come in, incredibly tough. So um, we, we do have we have an hour a day at work where we uh, where we work out and, and stay fit, uh, which you need because when when them jobs come in and, and the and the big fires come in, it's incredibly tough. Um, so a lot of the time, no, it's just a normal you know a normal job. But uh, when you need to, when you need, when the job's coming and you need to really work, then that's when the fitness comes in. So yes, it, it's football is a, is a day-to-day grind every day of, of staying fit. Whereas uh, in the fire service, it's kind of keeping yourself on top of being fit, ready for them jobs to come in when you really do have to work very, very hard.